All right. Thank you, David. Hey, I just want to uh, follow up with uh, what David said, talking about this, this uh, spiritual gifts roaring journal. You know, roaring is a big thing here at Crosspoint. We believe that, if, as you know, roaring is an acronym that stands for reading God's word, observing what it has to say to you. We believe that every time we open the Bible, Jesus wants to have a conversation with us through the, the person of the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit. And he wants to talk to us so that we can grow in our faith, so we can grow in our understanding of his, of his love and his will and his word. And, he, and we, we call that special time we set aside intentionally each day roaring. That's just our thing. You can call it whatever you want. But the, we have a, uh, this is a roaring journal put out by, by Charity Bransma. It goes along with what we are teaching in our growth group, as well as what we're beginning to teach starting today on spiritual gifts in our Sunday morning service. And again, encourage you guys, pick one up. If you're, if you're in a growth group, you are getting one if you haven't already received one. If you're not in a growth group, get in a growth group and you can get one for free. No, I'm not trying to bribe you. I'm just saying that's the fact. Um, but if but if you want to pick one up, they're they're five dollars. And again, if, if if you don't have five bucks on you for some reason you can't afford that, just walk over there and tell Stacy Jinks, say, hey, I'm going to take you up on the scholarship, right? And we'll give you one of these we'll scholarship over to you. We just want you uh, to be able to go on this journey with us as we are growing together, right? Because guess what? Spiritual growth happens in community. We believe that. As a community of believers, we want to be studying together, learning together, growing together, being stretched together, reaching people for Jesus together. Amen? All right. Pick up a journal. Here we go. Well, as you know, we are starting a new series today called Made to Matter, and we're really taking a look at the spiritual gifts that are found in, in Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 3 through 8. And I'm excited about this, this journey because I think there's a lot of misunderstanding about what spiritual gifts are, who has the spiritual gifts, what are you supposed to do with spiritual gifts, right? And why don't we even have spiritual gifts? And we want to talk about, about that through this series. But I remember when I was writing this, I first put this together quite a while ago. Um, uh, this is pre-COVID. Uh, we put this together in, in was writing this message, it was, must have been near my anniversary, because I remember uh, thinking about this, putting this illustration in there about how I won anniversary. I don't know if you guys are, have a relationship like this in your family or in your marriage, but, but I like to win the gift-giving game, right? It's, it's, it's a competition, and, and I want to win every time. And so my wife gets the best of me once in a while, and, and here's how you win the anniversary gift, you, the anniversary competition. You just give the better gift, right? And so apparently at this, at this, when I was writing this, um, I realized that, that, that I wrote in here, I won anniversary. I won the anniversary gift war that year, and I gave her the best gift. And I was so excited to be able to give her the best gift and, and one-up her. And in other words, I gave her the most expensive gift, right? That's right. That's what I did. And uh, that's how I won. So I won anniversary. Yay! And, and Karen... It's coming up, and uh, I intend to win again. All right, anyways, that's how it goes. Well, when we're talking about spiritual gifts, it's not about the most expensive gift that, that someone can give you, right? The point is that we are all given spiritual gifts, and all of our spiritual gifts, no matter what they are, they are not more valuable than the other. The Bible makes it very clear that you can't win the spiritual gifts game like I won the anniversary gifts game, right? I won by giving the most expensive gift. The Bible makes it clear that all of our spiritual gifts, whatever they may be, are equally important and just as valuable and needed in the body of Christ. 
So we all get spiritual gifts at salvation, Scripture teaches us. And here's the big idea I want you to grab a hold of. And some of you have made, maybe this is the first time you've ever heard this term referred to you. But here's the truth. You are gifted. You are gifted. And, I mean, and it doesn't matter how long you've been serving Jesus. The truth of the matter is that you are gifted today. Let's take a moment and pray. Father God, we thank you for your spirit of truth and your spirit of life. And Lord, I, I invite your Holy Spirit here today. I, I know that he's here. I know that he's here because your word says where, wherever two or more of you are gathered uh, in your name, you are in our midst. So I thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit. But I, I just want you to know, Holy God, that your spirit is, is especially welcome. He is needed here. And we invite his presence here because we want to be led by your spirit. The only way to really please you, God, is to be led by your spirit today. And as we are talking about spiritual gifts, and, and the Holy Spirit is the one who empowers those gifts, I pray, Holy Spirit, speak to us clearly today about your truth and your will for our lives and our role in the church. Lord, my, my desire is that when we finish this series, each one of us would understand is that spiritual gifts are not just kind of like a cool thing that we have, and we sit on our shelf, and we dust off once in a while. But Father, they are integral to the building of your church, and you have called us to build your church. I pray, Lord, speak to us clearly today in Jesus' holy name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. We are going to, our series today is based on Romans 12, verses 3 through 8. However, we are going to start by looking at Ephesians chapter 4, because I believe it really gives us the background or a foundation for understanding the role of the, of the Romans 12 spiritual gifts in your life and, and the role of those gifts in our church. In, Roman, in, rather in Ephesians chapter 4, it lists five offices within the early church that Jesus used to establish the church, and that's key. We call these, these are often called the, the equipping gifts, right? Or the, the leadership gifts. So let's take a look at Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 11. We'll be reading through verse 14 today. And it says, And he, meaning Jesus, gave the apostles and the prophets. I'm going to pause here for a moment. Those are two uh, kind of uh, uh, big terms, and we, sometimes we kind of wonder what, what really is an apostle and, and what is the role of a prophet. This is what we do know. The office of the apostles and the office of the prophets were both relevant and important at the time of the New Testament church. But as we're looking at these, we understand that the role of the apostle is really somebody who, who is gifted for leadership. They, they started ministries. And of course, the, word, the role of the prophet is someone who speaks for God, both forthtelling and, and foretelling, meaning telling you what God is saying in this moment and speaking of what God may be predicting or, or revealing, rather, for our future. And in the New Testament church, they, they actually held an office within the church. But what we understand as we study Scripture is that the offices of the apostle and the prophets, although they were both relevant at the time of the New Testament church, strangely though, Scripture doesn't give any instruction for either of those offices to continue within the church. It does give us instruction for the offices of, of pastor and elder right, and deacon, those offices have continued according to Scripture. And most theologians today uh, don't believe that the offices of apostle and prophet are really, are really relevant for the church today. Uh, that is the position of the Assemblies of God, 
They look, they believe that Scripture does not support the continuances of those offices as meaning somebody will be designated an apostle or designated as a prophet. Now, I do want to say this. What we do know is that the ministry giftings are still needed in the church today. We still need men who are gifted for leadership. We still need people who are, who are gifted to speak um, God's, God's word and God's truth um, from a prophetic, in a prophetic moment. Those giftings are still needed in the church. However, the, 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 the establishment of those positions as an office in the church, like you have a pastor or, a, or an elder, um, doesn't seem to be continued in the New Testament. Let's continue. So it says, Ephesians 4, 11, and he, meaning Jesus, gave the apostles and the prophets And the evangelists. Now, this I think this is a misunderstood office. Um, you know, I was I was just at a, 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 a football game, a pro football game, this last weekend. And as you're going up to the gate, there was a guy standing there um, with a big sign strapped to his back. You know, a big sign up there with a loudspeaker, and he's walking around, just kind of calling people to repentance. And I don't know how effective that was. Maybe it was. Maybe it was very effective. I don't know. But I think that when we think about the role or the office of evangelist, that's what we think about. We think about the person standing on the street corner yelling at you to repent, you know what I mean, and whacking you on the head of the Bible if you get too close. Uh, but but that's really not, um, that's really not uh, the office or the role of, of, of the evangelist. Uh, somebody who is gifted, a gifted evangelist has the divine enablement to effectively communicate the message of Christ to unbelievers so that they respond in faith and discipleship. That's the role of an evangelist. The next it says, goes on to say, he gives us apostles and, and prophets, evangelists, and then he uses this term shepherds. Today we commonly transfer, uh, excuse me, translate this word in, in English as, as a pastor, right? Um, the Greek word literally means a shepherd, one who tends herds or flocks. In other words, someone who has a real heart for people. Someone has a, has a heart to care and to lead and to guide. This person has the ability to feel empathy and connect with someone in need. That's what a shepherd or a pastor is. Then at last it says, and teachers. Now there's some debate whether the role of pastor and teacher are, are really one role or whether they are, are a separate role of Scripture. But it says, and teachers. The Greek word for this term teacher means an instructor, one who communicates truth. One who communicates truth. So a teacher in the church is someone who has the divine enablement to understand and clearly explain and apply the Word of God to the lives of, of, of the listeners. And then it continues in verse 12, and it says that he's given us apostles and, and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers, and this is where I want your ears to perk up. I want you to pay close attention to what comes next, because this is a defining moment in this passage of Scripture. Verse 12, he says, He's given those five, those five equipping gifts to the church for this purpose, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up the body of Christ. And I know, I just heard a cosmic sigh of relief. Phew, he said saints. There ain't anybody in this room who can call a saint, right? I know that's what you're thinking. A saint is perfect. They're we're, we're perfection, man. They do, they do everything right. No. Slow your roll. 
That's not what that's not what this that's not what a saint means here in this passage of scripture. It's not referring to a uh, to a perfect person, right? It's referring to somebody who, through faith in Jesus Christ, has received Christ's righteous character imputed to them. That's you. That's you and me. We are the saints of God, right? And it's not based upon our perfection. It's based upon what Jesus has done for us, his atonement, and our, and our response to him in faith. And through that, we receive the righteousness of Christ, and God sees us as, as saints. Goes on to say that you are to be equipped to do the work of ministry until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. I'm going to pause right here, and I think this is really important. It says that we'll no longer be tossed back and forth, right? I think that tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. This is why discipleship through community is so important. Because when you are just sitting in the seat, and you're just trying to live Jesus by sitting in the seat and coming to church and getting filled up, right, on a Sunday, um, and going about your day the rest of the week, you are easily deceived. And I'm not talking the deception that is most most prevalent today is not the deception of false doctrine that you might believe something incorrect about what the Scripture says, but rather that you would be deceived into compromise in your life. And it is much more difficult for you to be deceived into an avenue of compromise in your life when you are in a group of believers who love you, who care about you, who are going to hold you accountable. Who are going to point out deception when you encounter deception? The majority of the difficulty we encounter in our life is because of the mistakes we make that are that are not in line with God's word. And that is the importance of a small group. Discipleship happens through community. We need each other. Because where I have a blind spot, somebody else sees clearly. Where they have a blind spot, you see clearly. And rather than judging one another, we just love one another. We all point the way. And guess what? You avoid tragedy. You avoid heartache. You know, some of the people, some people are making decisions today that, that, that may, they may not feel the results in the moment, but they're going to feel it in a year, in five years, in 10 years. And if you do, you get together in a group of believers who are genuinely following Jesus Christ, what the best for you man, uh, they're going to help you avoid those mistakes. They're going to help your family avoid the mistakes that you've made because guess what? You've been doing life on your own. All right, that was free. All right, here we go. The point is simply this, that, that it's easy for us to be deceived. So it goes on to say, that we do, uh, that, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way in him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with, with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, when you are working properly in the kingdom and for the kingdom, 
in the local church and for the local church. Makes the body grow. What happens when you are working properly using your spiritual gifts the way God has gifted you and called you? It makes the body of Christ grow. It makes you grow personally. It makes the people around you grow. The people you're serving grow. The people you are loving grow. Makes the body grow so that it built itself up in, in love. Man. Scripture is clear that these five offices were given to lead the church. Clearly one of the ways that we are to lead the church is by equipping you to use spiritual gifts. We can't escape that. We're not called to lead the church just by giving you a message that you can say amen to on Sunday. We are called to equip you to be the church on Sunday to be the church on Wednesday and Thursday and the rest of the week. But there's much confusion about spiritual gifts in our lives and what they are and, and how we use them. It reminds me of a, a story about during the, that came out about three Christians during the French Revolution. They were all three sentenced to die by guillotine off with their head. The first Christian had the gift of, the gift of faith. And when they called him up to put him under the guillotine, he asked him if he wanted a blindfold. He said, no, I don't want a blindfold. I'm not afraid to die. I believe God will deliver me. So they got him, laid him down, and got him in the place, and they pulled the lever of the guillotine, click, and nothing happens. So they release him. His gift of faith prevailed. The next Christian who was sentenced to die by the guillotine was called up, and they asked him, do you want to... I'm a blindfold. No, I don't. I'm not afraid to die because I had the gift of prophecy. I predict God will deliver me. So they put him in place and they release the lever and click and nothing happens. Huh. So they let him go. The third Christian gets up who has the, the spiritual gifts of helps. They say, do you want a blindfold? He says, no, I'm just as spiritual as those, as those others two. I'm not afraid to die either. So they put him in place. And as he's laying there, he looks up and he says, oh, I see the problem with your guillotine. <laughs> so listen, spiritual gifts are very important to the church, but we also need to be taught how to use them properly, right? How, how, how they're used to serve the kingdom and bring Jesus glory. Remember the big idea? You are gifted. You are gifted. And as important as these equipping gifts are that we just talked about in Ephesians, they're not responsible for building the church. You are. You are, Christian. Remember Ephesians 4.11 says, And he, Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head in Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And I think there's two important points that we find in this passage of Scripture about spiritual gifts, your spiritual gifts, about Jesus, how Jesus is equipped and wants to use you. The first important point is simply this, that it is your job to build Jesus' church your job. 
Our job as, 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 as leadership is to equip. Your job is to build, to do the work of the ministry. In other words, that you, Christian, are far more important to the, to the success of the local church than I am. You are. The second truth we see is that it takes each one of us to do it properly. In order to build the church properly, it takes each, each one of us using our spiritual gifts. So how do you use it? How do you build the church properly? Well, you build it properly by using your spiritual gifts. Roman lists, Romans chapter 12 lists seven spiritual gifts that we can receive at salvation. Romans 12, beginning in verse 3, it says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. Let's all say that together. Let us use them. Yeah, what a powerful line. If prophecy in the proportion of your faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. In this passage of Scripture, we see seven gifts that are given to us. It, and it is, it, everybody is going to receive one of these gifts at salvation. Now, sometimes you can have a combination of these gifts. You can have two or three uh, that are prominent, but you're going to have these gifts. You're going to have at least one of these gifts, prophecy, serving, teaching, exhortation, which is really encouragement, generosity, leadership, and mercy. These gifts are often called the functional gifts or the motivational gifts. Um, I love the term the term motivational gifts, but they're referred to as a functional gifts because they make ministry in the local church happen. Now, I, I like the term motivational gifts because I believe this, that when you begin to serve Jesus using the spiritual gifts that he's given you within the local church, you find your place, you find your sweet spot in life. Because let me tell you what, we are using our natural talents and abilities in a lot of other areas, and sometimes we're using them in the church, but when we use our spiritual giftings in the local church as Jesus has intended for the purpose they've been intended to, use, to be used for, right? Man, that is where you're going to find your place of, of most value and significance. Serving alongside of Jesus and the way he has created you to serve and to love. It's been said that spiritual gifts are tools God gives Christians to do the work of the ministry to fulfill the Great Commission, to reach, baptize, teach, and minister to one another. And every Christian receives at least one gift at the moment of salvation. A spiritual gift is, is the primary channel by which the Holy Spirit ministers through the believer. It's a supernatural capacity for service to God. And he gives you a supernatural desire to perform that, the duties of that gift. The spiritual gifts are for the building of the church. They are a source of joy for your Christian life and influence your motives. In other words, a spiritual gift is a divine calling 
with a divine responsibility because what God has gifted you to do, he has called you to do. And what he has called you to do, he has gifted you to do. Amen? So in light of this teaching, in light of this understanding of the role spiritual gifts play in the, in the, in the, in the life of the church, of the importance of your spiritual gift to build the church today, to be a part of what Christ is doing in you and through you, why would anyone not want to use their spiritual gifts? Well, I think there's a couple reasons. And if we're really honest, there are a lot of people who don't want to use their spiritual gifts. I think one reason is just laziness. We are busy. And we are so busy doing for ourselves that when it comes to God's kingdom, we kind of get lazy. We want to withdraw. Man, somebody else is going to do it. It's Jesus' kingdom. He can take care of it. I just believe this. I just believe that Jesus has done too much for us to be lazy, right? He's done too much for us to be lazy. And I believe that Jesus equates laziness in serving as not loving him. Think about that for a moment. Jesus equates laziness to serving as not loving him. Jesus said this in John 14, 23, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our, our home with him. Keep that in mind as you think about the parable of the talents that's found in Matthew chapter 25. And if you're familiar with this parable, it's basically a, a landowner goes away and, and he, gives his, he gives three servants um, talents. And in this particular passage of scripture and in its context, talents represents a, a form of, of, of money. And he directs them to use that to build his estate. And when he comes back, he, he calls those people together and he wants them to give an accounting for what, he, for what he has given them, how they've used it. And the first person received five talents and, and he doubled it. And, and the whole the, the, the property owner was pleased. Well done. Good and faithful servant, enter your rest. The first, second man was given two talents, and he too doubled them. And Jesus said, well done. The, the, the owner said, well done. Enter your rest. The third man came, and he said, I was afraid. And I went, and I hid your talents in the ground. Here you have what is yours. And this guy truly could have been afraid, but he also could have just been lazy. I said, I'm going to wait. I'm going to let somebody else do it, right? It's Jesus' church. I'm going to let him build it. And we are just going to bury our talents and not use them. And this was Jesus' response, or rather the master's response in this parable. He said, you wicked and slothful servant. This is why I this is why I, I, I say I don't think it was so much fear as it was laziness. You wicked and slothful servant. You know what I don't want to hear <laughs> when I face Jesus one day, and we are all going to face Jesus, right? In the Bama seat of Christ, where we are judged not for our sins, because our sins are forgiven, but whether we when we have to give an account to Jesus of what we've done in this life, 
for his kingdom, I don't want him to look at me and say, you were slothful. Because if I'm having a moment of honesty, right, I'm naturally a lazy guy, right? I'm naturally a lazy guy. I work hard when I have to work hard. I put in major overtime when I need to put in major overtime, but I enjoy my relaxation, right? (laughs) You don't have to worry. I'm going to compensate. I'm going to make sure I'm relaxing. But I just understand the tendency in my life to be lazy. And Jesus says, you slothful servant. Cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness in that place where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I just think it's a strong warning that laziness is not an excuse for us not to use our spiritual gifts for the kingdom of God. And I wonder how many people in the church today in America are sitting on their gifts. Laziness is really not a good excuse to hide behind. I think the second reason why people won't use their spiritual gifts is uncertainty. They're unsure what their gifts are. They're unsure what do they look like and what's, okay, you say I have that gift, well, how am I supposed to use that, right? And I understand that. We are working hard at Crosspoint to, to clear that up and to make sure that everybody who comes into a ministry understands how they can use their spiritual giftings in that ministry. That's going to take us a little bit of time. That's the journey we're on together as a leadership team. But if you are unaware of what your spiritual gifts are, I want to encourage you to take a spiritual gifts test. We offer one. Do you know we offer one on our website? Whether you're in attendance or watching online, you can go to cpyakima.church and you can click on the Get Involved tab right up there on the very top, Get Involved. It'll drop down. The very first line underneath it is Spiritual Gifts Test. Did you know that was there? Raise your hand if you knew that was there. Yeah. Click on that. It is a short test. It is, it is it, I don't know, 15 minutes. It might take you at the most, probably a lot less than that. It involves a passion test as well, what area of the church you might be passionate about. And just let me encourage you, because we, we're going to ask everybody to take this test. And as you go on and you, you, you're answering the questions about your spiritual gifts, then you move to your passion assessment. Listen, it is talking about what you are passionate about doing, not what you are passionate about. Because Chris, when he took the test, scored a perfect 100 in every category. And I was like, Chris, that's not the way it works, right? You cannot lead women's ministry, Chris, all right? You can't do it. No, it's what you are passionate about doing. I know you're going to be passionate about a lot of things. But when you take that, think of it in the terms of what am I passionate about doing, all right? Take that this week. Jump online. Take that spiritual gifts test. It's going to send a copy to me. We can begin to have a conversation of how Jesus wants to use you for his glory and his kingdom. And if you're still not sure, if you want to talk some more, schedule an appointment with me. Schedule an appointment with Pastor Steve or Chris or David. Just give the office a call. We'll sit down and begin to talk with you about how you can use your giftings in Jesus' church today. So some people don't serve because they're lazy. Some people don't use their spiritual gifts because they're uncertain. Others don't use their spiritual gifts simply because they feel unqualified. They don't feel mature enough. And I, I, I want you to understand this. If you are a Christ follower, you've got all the salvation you're ever going to get right now. 
You know, you're not going to, you can't wait till I'm more saved. When I am more saved than I am today, I will use my spiritual gifts. And that's not the way it works. You are as saved as you're going to get. Jesus is sufficient for you. His grace is sufficient for you. His, His atonement on the cross is sufficient. You are saved and gifted. And since you were given these spiritual gifts at salvation, you're ready to begin to use those as soon as you discover what your spiritual gifts are. And I want you to use, think about the, the idea of riding a bicycle. You know, when you, when you try to teach somebody how to ride a bike, you don't place them on the bike and, and say, okay, um, I just want you to stand here and balance. Right? I just want you to sit here and balance. And when you can just balance that, then you're ready to ride. It, it, it doesn't work that way. What happens, you have to get the bike going before you can balance it, right? Has anybody ever learned to ride a bike? I remember those days. You got to get the bike going. You gotta, then you learn to balance. As long as you sit there, oh, you're going over one way or the other. Just like uh, riding a bike, I think that, that you learn how to use your spiritual gifts and, and you learn how to excel in them by doing. You know what that's called? It's called faith. It's called faith in Jesus, that he has gifted me, that he has called me to serve him, and he's going to guide me in the process. So I'm going to step out in faith. Faith is never comfortable. It wouldn't be faith then. I just want to remind you that you are ready to serve today. You're ready to serve in your spiritual giftings today. Why? Because what is our gift idea, big idea? You are gifted. I'm going to invite the worship team up. Dr. Larry Gilbert shares an illustration and how it relates to our spiritual gifts. He writes that in the courtyard of a quaint little church in a French village, stood a beautiful marble statue of Jesus with outstretched hands. And one day during World War II, a bomb struck near the, struck near the statue, and it, and it really damaged, did a lot of damage. After the battle was over, the citizens decided to, to piece the statue back together. And after they reconstructed it, um, it, it, it actually looked a little bit better with all these scars within the statue. The scars added to its beauty, but there's one problem. They were unable to find the hands of the statue. And one person commented, he said, a Christ without hands is not a Christ at all. Someone else expressed, man, hands with scars, yes. But what's a Lord without hands? We need a new statue. Then someone else came along with another idea. And they placed a a brass plaque. A brass plaque was attached to the base of the statue that read, I have no hands but your hands. Some years later, someone saw the inscription and wrote the following lines. I have no hands but your hands to do my work today. I have no feet but your feet to lead men on the way. I have no tongue but your tongue to tell men how I died. I have no help but your help to bring men 
to God's side. You see, church, a spiritual gift is the primary channel by which the Holy Spirit can minister through the believer. Spiritual gifts are God's provision for the Holy Spirit to minister to people and through people. Pastor Steve, and I, and I love this term, he refers to the Romans 12 gifts as the fragrance, the fragrant gifts. And he was saying that, you know how when you, you hug someone, you can smell the fragrance of their cologne or their perfume. And so in the same way, when we operate in our giftings in the church, we become the fragrance of God to others. And I want to invite you to go on a journey with us at Crosspoint Church to find your destiny in the church today through your spiritual gifts, to find your place through your spiritual gifts, to be fragrance to others, to be Christ's hands to your church family and to your community. All you have to do is take the spiritual gifts test and then we get to have a conversation. And through that, I believe the Holy Spirit will lead you to discover your purpose and your destiny in the church today. My prayer, my desire is that you will discover how invigorating it is in life when you know your purpose and you know the place God has for you. So I want you to think about your life right now. It's our time to respond to Jesus in prayer. And what do you need to do today concerning spiritual gifts? Do you need to ask for forgiveness for being lazy? Do you need to begin to believe that Jesus can use you and wants to use you in the church? What do you need to do? Let's just take a moment and pray and have this conversation with Jesus.
Do you trust Jesus? Do you trust our Heavenly Father? He's given us gifts because He's a good, good Father. Because He knows what's best for you. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, Lord God. And, and Lord, we just, we confess that maybe, Lord, at times we are so busy living this life and accomplishing the things that we want now, Lord, we get a little bit lazy when it comes to living for you and building what you want. Lord, we just confess that as sin and ask you to forgive us and help us to refocus on living for your glory through the using of our spiritual gifts, through the discovery of our spiritual gifts. Father, if we are struggling with faith, we are struggling to believe that you can use us as you desire to use us. Lord, I pray you would reveal your great love to us in a new way, Lord God. That you would chase out every lying, hindering spirit, every lying, vain imagination that would set itself up against the full knowledge of Christ Jesus in our life. And instead, Lord, we would choose faith over fear, God. And we would choose, Lord, you believing that you've given us spiritual gifts and that you you qualify those you call. And as we step into that, Lord, you begin to qualify us. We pray for your moments of grace, God, so that as a church family, we can be about building your kingdom alongside of you for your glory in Jesus' holy name. Maybe you're here today or you're watching online and you don't have a spiritual gift because you understand fundamentally that you've never given your life to Jesus. You believe, possibly, or maybe you're just beginning to believe, but you've never reached that point where you say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. It no longer belongs to me. I want to follow you with the whole heart. Um, the Bible calls that being born again, right? And I want to invite you into that moment today. I want to invite you into this, the family of God. I want to invite you into the family of faith. I want to invite you into to know real forgiveness and real hope 
in real peace of heart and mind, especially in the trials and the, and the tribulations that we live in today, there is a God who knows you, who brings peace, who will see you through this moment. And he's revealed himself to us through his son, Jesus Christ. And if you're willing to go on a life-changing journey with Jesus, then you have to give your life away to him today. And that's your desire. Let's pray together. And it's not how perfect you say the words of this prayer. I'm going to ask you to follow me, to repeat after me. It's not how perfect you say these words. It's what you intend. It's the intent of your heart, the commitment you're making that you want to follow Jesus. And even though you're going to stumble, you're going to make mistakes, you're going to pick yourself back up, you're going to point your feet back to the cross, and you're going to continue to follow Jesus. It's not a mistake-free life, but it's a life committed to following Him. God's Word says that when you do make that decision, that choice, that He places His Spirit in you, He gives you a new spirit, and you are born again. Let's pray today. So, Father God, I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. And I want to follow you with all of my life, with all of my heart, with all of my mind. So, Jesus, I'm surrendering my life to you. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. to cleanse me and to begin to renew me and change me. Jesus, I believe in you. I surrender to you. Help me to follow you this day. In your holy name I pray. Amen and amen. Listen, if you said that prayer, welcome to the family of God. Let us know. Remember, nobody goes on this journey we call the Christian life alone. I'm telling you right now that if you said that prayer, you may, you may feel goosebumps, you may feel excited, but it's nothing compared, compared to the celebration that is taking place in eternity right now, where angels are rejoicing over one person who comes into a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. There's a party going on. I almost broke into that old lady song. Anyway, celebration. Never mind. There's a celebration going on for you right now, right? Let us know. We want to be able to walk alongside of you. We want to be able to give you some tools to help you grow in your faith. We'll give you a great Bible. We'll give you some, some, some tools that will teach you how to follow Jesus, right? So if you're here in person, you made this commitment, pull out your connection card and just mark down on the box, hey, I recommitted my life or I committed my life to Jesus drop it off of the draw boxes on your way out. If you're watching online and you made this decision to follow Jesus, man, welcome to Cross Point. Welcome to the family of God. If you too would go to our website at cpyakima.church, cpyakima.church, click on the prayer tab, which open up the same connection card we use, and let us know that you either rededicated your life or committed your life to Jesus, and it'll, it'll come to us, and we want to get you the same tools and welcome you to the family of God.